Congratulations, you made it to the exfil. You can sit back and relax, empty your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me as always is my co-host Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, so we hope you come along with us on that journey. We love, love, love having guests on the show, so we're back at it this week, but before we introduce our guest host this week, uh, let's get our hideout keeping out of the way so we can dive in. As always, there are a number of ways to support the show. Uh, The best and biggest one you can do for us is to share it with a friend or somebody who is thinking about playing Tarkov, who's already playing, just started. Share it with somebody you know. That's the best way to help us grow and grow our community. Other than that, like, comment, rate, thumbs up, star, heart, all of the things that you can do to our content on the internet or your app of choice helps tremendously. Thank you for that. And then the last thing I want to plug this week is Xfil Bootcamp. All of our guide videos, we've put a ton of new ones up this week, everything from new factory guides to the new prepper tasks on reserve. So make sure and go and check those out. Those are up and live on YouTube. And I believe right before we went live on the show, and I might be stealing Eric's thunder, but a new one just went out on part two of the new reserve tasks. So If you're looking for me, the best way to chat with me is either on Discord or on Twitch. I stream a few days a week at MTB Trigger, and anywhere you find me, it's going to be MTB Trigger, so feel free to reach out, but Discord and Twitch are the best ways to do that. But Ronald, how are you, man? And let these fine folks know how they can get in touch with you, man. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Doing great this week. The best way, as always, to get in touch with me would be to send me a DM in Discord with the top of the list next to MTB Trigger in the host section. Go ahead, send me a DM, friend request, whatever. That's the best way to get hold of me. We all spend uh, way too much time on Discord, more than we definitely want to admit uh, these days. You can also follow me on the Twitters at Ronald Gaming, and I can send a DM that way as well. Otherwise, outside of that, if there's something more formal that you'd like to contact us with, you can email the show at xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. But that's pretty much it. This week, we're... Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. You doing it. You interrupted me. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we're pretty excited. We've got a special guest on the show. Trigger, why don't you tell us all about him? (laughs) Oh, well played. (laughs) You guys, we have the other half of the podcast. That's P-O-G cast for the unfamiliar. Uh, He runs the podcast with a previous guest of ours, Veritas. He's also a partnered Twitch streamer and has a boatload of Tarkov content on his YouTube channel. So, Mr. Jesse Kazam, welcome, man. And the first thing we like to do when we kick off our show is kind of talk about what we've been up to this week in Tarkov. So, I kind of want to ask you, like, what have you been up to this week in the game? And then 
Uh, we'll kind of jump into some of your background with Tarkov, but uh, what have you been up to in game this week, man? Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, this week I've been working. So I've been working on some quests, working towards Kappa, and I've been kind of focusing down on some of the quests that I always wait and like save to the end because I don't want to do. And then I have all the ones I don't like at the end and, and every time. But I've been working on the setup quest um, where you have to kill PMCs with a 133 or a 153 on customs, wearing a scav vest and a Nushanka. And it's just the bane of my existence because you can't wear contacts with Yushanka. You have to wear a scab vest and shotguns are just the my absolute least proficient weapon. So I've been like, <laughs> the way I do it is I'll buy like four shotguns and then I'll run. If I die every raid, that's four raids. And then I just move on for the night or I'll basically I'll just run out of those shotguns and then move on because I can't. It's just so it just, I just get so frustrated. So <laughs> I've been doing that and then trying to get grenade kills, which is always harder to do when you have a quest than it is when you don't have the quest. <laughs> oh, 100%. That one, I always try to unlock that one early. And I say always. I've, I've played last wipe and then this one. But okay. I knew I wanted that one open mm-hmm. because, it, you know, you just want those random grenade kills that you get to count towards yep. it because until you have it, it's like, oh, that was a sweet triple kill. Seriously. Oh, Seriously. <laughs> oh. But setup is one of those ones that, especially for like newer players and for people that haven't got deep into the task lines. So like, I mean, you explain it. It's the shotgun task on customs with the Yushanka and the Scavvis. And it's like, it doesn't sound that bad oh. until you think about like, you have to get close quarters. It's later in the task line, right? So yes. you're just getting to it now. I don't think, I, I haven't unlocked it. I'm level 43 and I, I've sort of taken a little break from yeah. from task, but like it's a, it's a rough one. So like how many kills into that are you? I just finished it last night. Oh, I just you're lucky, finished man. it last night. And what was crazy. So it's just, it's one of the most restrictive quests. You can't bring whatever gun you want. You can't go to whatever map you want. You can't wear contacts or headphones you can't wear a helmet which to me it makes me not want to bring in really high tier armor because I'm, I'm, I'm using a weapon i'm not proficient with and i can't wear a helmet so i can get one tapped by a scab with a shotgun so i don't want to bring you know a gen 4 or a slick in and then risk losing that so i end up running low tier armor and so you're just so restricted everywhere and it's so many things to manage that so you need 15 kills on two separate raids i had brought everything and i forgot the scab vest and both of those raids, I got three kills. So I ended up getting 21 kills with during the quest because you just forget and you're like, you check the quest and you're just like, no, it's just so many. I mean, it's not that many things like I just forgot, but it's just like the most disheartening thing to just like run around with a shotgun. And then it's like, oh, none of those counted. <laughs> but we just finished it last night. And I feel so good about it. That's awesome. Yeah, it reminds me. I was just having a conversation with uh, J Mac, who's a friend of the show, and he forgot to activate. Oh. Is it Psycho Sniper or it's it's one of the ones where you have to get Dude, yeah like the sniper kills? And he started doing it because he knew it was his last task. Yep. And then he went after two raids and realized he hadn't accepted it. Dude, yeah, <laughs> you haven't accepted it, or like. I did a shoreline quest where it's just like survive and leave the area. And then I survived and then I was playing with a buddy. So we just went into the next raid and I didn't turn the quest in. And then I died in that raid. And you're just like, oh my gosh, it's Man. it's a lot to manage. It's a lot to manage. But I mean, it's, it's fun. It's it's as frustrating as like quests like set up are. What I was trying to talk to my chat about was that like, What's frustrating about this quest is 50% of how just restrictive it is. The other 50% of what frustrates me is it just reveals to me a play style in the game that I'm bad at. 
which is like accuracy. Like, you know what I mean? Not being able to rely on like a mag dump and then just kind of like, you know, follow somebody needing to like pinpoint your shots, especially with shotgun I'm using AP 20. So slugs. So it's like the other 50%. Isn't that the quest sucks? Even though I think it does, you just get more and more frustrated yourself because you're like, why am I missing? Like, it's just, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I hate shotguns. Like, so I hate much. them in PUBG. <laughs> I hate them in Tarkov. I just want them gone. Yep. I mean, Eric, I mean, we've had lengthy conversations about shotguns in, in multiple games, but like, what, what have you been working on this week, Eric? What have you been up to? Well, I mean, the only useful shotgun is maybe like an 870 with a red dot on it or something. <laughs> but I mean, I definitely have had a scab with a Taz and then died because (laughs) that's terrible. No, this week, this week I've been doing a lot of factory, just uh, XP farming. Nice. Taking a little bit of a break from tasks. Uh, I'm in the mid 20s as far as level goes, and I'm just pushing to 30 so that I can get uh, the rest of the hideout kind of push to that next level, Mm. level three for everything. Get the Bitcoin farm kind of upgraded and kind of go from there. So a lot of factory. I took a good chunk of the week also to learn the new reserve map. Uh, last week's episode, as everyone kind of knows, we did a side-by-side play where uh, Mike and I played it for the first time cold, not knowing anything about it, and stumbled our way through, which was kind of interesting and fun. But since then, I've put a bunch of time into learning it and making a couple guides. And uh, I actually really like the new bunker system. I, I think it's kind of interesting. I like the layout of it. I think what they did with the D2 extract is really kind of cool. So, you know, kind of using that and learning a little bit more how to take full advantage of that and get into some PvP down there. Uh, that's kind of what my week's been up to. Nice, man. Yeah. Well, you said my uh, you said my favorite word. It's factory. I am a factory junkie. Jesse, you now really? know it. Okay. Everybody around the Expo Parks knows it, but I, um, you know, last week I was grinding tasks and I kind of call them the cosplay tasks, right? Where it's like the, yeah. you know, you're using the blueberry set, you're using the, well, what's the other one? You know, the balaclava and the scab yeah, vest and, and all those. Restrictive, right? You brought up a good point there. They they restrict you in some way. Mm-hmm. And so this week I said I'm not gonna be restricted and I'm gonna play my favorite map, which is Factory. So I didn't play much over the weekend, but today on stream I played four hours of back to back to back to back to back. Wow. Factory just wrecking folks and then having the most heartbreaking death I've ever experienced <laughs> in the office. And whether it was an invisible uh, little speedy boy or uh, it was an audio bug, we'll, we'll never know. It was uh, it was a great day on Factory. I had a lot of fun. So that's actually been most of my week as I was playing a lot of Factory. And then we did some reserve learning that, which was a blast. And uh, I look forward to the future of the split screen, potentially streaming the split screen. So that'll be really fun. So we had a lot of fun learning that bunker system in the new reserve. So have you uh, have you jumped in the new reserve map with the new bunker system, Jesse? Yeah, a few times. Not a whole lot. Um, I love it. Like, I think it it's so funny because they did that. It was like two days after we had recorded it on, on the podcast and we were talking about reserve and, and we were just talking about how like I felt like it just needed some love like uh, on paper reserve is such a great map but I just never want to go reserve and I was trying to like explore that and like the extracts has a lot to do with that you know what I mean because it's like either spend six million dollars on a red rebel rubles or find it if you're lucky and just run there every time and do nothing or run to one side of the map, click a button, run to the other side of the map, like hope a million things go right on your way back. So like 
how polarizing the amount of effort is for this extract for that just like made me not really want to play it until I had a Red Rebel. But this, I, lo I love what they did with it. I love that it's like the the power system without an alarm. There's potential for raiders. If you if somebody else pulls the power, you can use the extract. The extract itself is relatively safe to get to, even if you don't want to go to the underground. So, so I really liked how they did it. I love the feel of the underground thing. It's scary, especially when there's raiders and all sorts of stuff. So I haven't played it a whole lot, but like every time I'm down there, I've been loving it. How do you think that it has changed the whole run reserve for loot, you know, the pistol running kind of concepts? I don't really know, like I because I don't play the map a whole lot, especially at the beginning of the wipe. The, the other thing that I like want for reserve is like 10 more quests there. You know what I mean? You only have to go there like once. I think only two times. There's a Jaeger quest where you have to find the food storage underneath and then kill Gluhar. And I think those are the only quests that require you to run reserve. And so for me, I'm somebody that like I'm uncomfortable if I'm not questing because I don't want to be questing. It's just the fact that I'm like I'm very progress driven. If I set a goal, if I'm not making progress towards that goal, I'm frustrated. So I can do basically any map and and be doing a quest a lot of the times except reserve unless I'm trying to level a soft skill or something like that. So like at the end of last wipe, I played reserve a ton in the beginning when you're questing because you don't have to go there. So I'm not super familiar with how that's played out this wipe or how it's shifted that like i think my cursory kind of opinion is that if somebody just pistol runs reserve the manhole extract is so easy anyway that i, I if i were to do that i probably wouldn't run downstairs you know what i mean like i would just hit you know whatever the loot ones are and then just hit the manhole but there are a lot of people that like to farm raiders so that might push more people down there some of the people that would normally just run for loot the fact that there's more opportunity for raiders is nice yeah, I really don't know exactly what the differences are, but I can tell you one thing I've noticed is that there seem to be a lot more scavs in the buildings. Oh, okay. I, I, didn't, I, I played it quite a bit at the end of the wipe, just when it was kind of in, you know, just that time where <laughs> whatever goes, you know, for a couple of days and then didn't touch it at all until last week. And it felt like there was a lot more scavs and there's tons of raiders in the bunkers. It's crazy, man. You go down there and I tried doing a couple of night raids down there. Oh my gosh. Dude, it's crazy. It's terrifying. Oh, I bet night yeah. raids down there would be crazy because it's already kind of dark and ominous. How, how did you use night vision when you did it? The, the first time I tried, no, I just took a pistol with a flashlight. <laughs> That's and terrifying. I just wanted to see what would happen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, you know, sneak around and, um, you know, one of the things that you and uh, Veritas talked about on your show was how the scabs see people. Yeah. And I kind of ran into a scenario where I think it was you who were talking about how they see like just a pixel change or something like that. And then they shoot you. Yeah. And I definitely ran into that. And I thought that was just an interesting like correlation because it seemed to me like they can see you in the dark and they don't have MVG at all. So it is kind of weird. It is weird. And, and and from a game design perspective, I have no idea how to code games. So I'm sure that like the way we would all want it is really hard to do. So I don't, you know, it's almost like a captcha where they're just looking and they're like, where's the fire hydrant? Oh, it's just that one. There's like, oh, there's the pixel. Just shoot it. You know what I mean? Whereas a PMC, I think the, the analogy Veritas uses, if you're on labs on the other side behind some plants and it's foggy, yeah, you could see somebody there, but chances are, you know what I mean? But if you're around that corner and there's a raider there, he's just like, Poof, you're like, oh, I'm dead. <laughs> 
Right. I, I just find it crazy that the concept of like fog of war has been around since like early RTS, right? It's mm, like yeah. original Warcrafts where they're like you're walking around and the AI doesn't trigger unless you like wander and explore yeah. that fog of war. So it seems like there's some of that because like nighttime factory versus daytime factory. Again, we're mm-hmm. talking about factory. <laughs> um, you get that sort of difference in how they act, but you're right. Like at some point, there's probably an aggro range difference, and yeah. it probably comes down to that just pixel change. But it's interesting how that simple concept of, what, at least when I remember it, it was RTS, right? It was the fog yeah. of war, and now it's it's very present again. And it's it's even funnier because like the new scav update's crazy. One of the last raids I had today, which was the heartbreak, was I was sprinting from uh, gate zero across to the little hut, and this scav just like one taps me. Oh and my he gosh. yells and one taps me from the ramp. And oh. I'm just like, what? How does this happen? And it's it doesn't happen very often, but they can do it. I feel like I've been one tapped by scabs way more this wipe. Like I was really one of those guys that was on the fence about face shields. Where like one week I'll run one every raid and one week I won't even run one. Like it's just like it, I didn't really matter. But this wipe, it just feels like I get tapped in the face. You know, class four helmet, nice armor. And I just get right like head eyes so often by scabs that I find myself not being super comfortable bringing out a good kit unless you have that face shield more for scab protection than PMC protection. You know, most PMCs are running bullets that are going to pen a class three face shield. But just for that random buckshot spray, that's going to kill me if I don't have it. You know what I mean? Dude, I had the X-Fill and the face shield on and this dude just one taps me. I don't even know where he hit me. It was crazy. So... We tend to do things backwards, and, I, and I'm cutting it off here because we're already 20 minutes <laughs> in, and I, I do want to give people an idea of some of your background, and then we're yep. going to jump back into Tarkov. I wanted to go through what we've been up to this week because, I don't know, it sounds like we've all had some pretty cool scenarios this week, and we'll jump back into Tarkov, but really I want to give people a chance to know a little bit about you. So first of all, like props to you, like you're like, going on your Twitch and your About section, like it's really fleshed out, so I don't want to make you go over all of these things that you've already, you know, you put your your family and all that kind of stuff and what you do and and kind of where you've been. So go check out Jesse. We're going to have all of his like links in the show notes and stuff. Um, And there's a lot of info there. But like, how long have you been playing Tarkov, man? Like, when did you get involved in this game? Yeah, so I bought Tarkov in the summer of 2018. Um, So right about two years ago, Um, it was like a connection from like, I was watching streamer play some other games and then he would duo with this person pretty often, often enough that I followed that person. And then one day that person I saw was playing Tarkov. And it's funny because I had actually seen Tarkov previously, probably like 2017, which is, you know, it was a, it was a rough state from like a, somebody that came from, you know, console gaming and a lot of AAA games, you know, 2017 Tarkov was a very, you know, very work in progress. So I'd seen it and thought it was cool, but I just kind of fell off the radar. And then summer 2018, I saw it again. I had just built my first PC ever because I was a console gamer my whole life. So I I had a PC now that I built for video editing, but I had a PC. So I saw it and I was like, hey, you know, so I ended up buying it and, uh, I just getting absolutely destroyed, like basically hating the game. I just remember basically that the advice that was given to me when I first started Tarkov was just hatchet run factory. <laughs> and as somebody who what? doesn't know, I was like, <laughs> it was it was hatchet run factory or Taz run factory because that's going to be your best like potential profit for. And I was like, okay, especially because if you're brand new to Tarkov, you know what I mean. In five, six, seven raids, you can have almost all of your starting equipment gone. 
very little money. And then they're like, just had to run factory. So I remember it was just not the experience. You know, it wasn't Tarkov, right? I'm just running around naked, getting one tapped out of nowhere most of the time. Every once in a while, you get a cool click on somebody's head and you drop a gear, dude. But then his buddy kills you. So it's like, so I I put the game down for a few months because I was like, what is this? But then I continue to watch. And I think that has been the, uh, for myself, and I bet probably you guys as well, and a lot of people that are new to Tarkov, Tarkov is such a hardcore game that the ability to watch other people who are at a high level play it is like the best marketing for the game. Because if I had no ability to do that, and that was my experience, Hatchet Run Factory, Taws Run Factory, I would have never invested the time that I have now. But the ability to see these guys, you know, like Warren, just like stomping factory, you're just like, I want to do that. <laughs> and then so, you know, what I mean, so I ended up getting back into it and, and kind of taking it more seriously and falling in love with it from there. Well, but it's interesting too, though, right? And this is the the enigma that is Tarkov, right? It's like <laughs> you said, watching someone play it. And I remember when I first saw Tarkov, I was watching Shroud, right? And okay. I'm big into PUBG, still am. And and he went and played Tarkov and he's sitting on customs, like on the bridge, just waiting for someone to cross customs. And I'm like, this is Shroud. Like mm. you're supposed to be running around shooting everyone in the head. Like, what are you doing playing this game? And so like, I was like, I don't think I'm going to like this game. It's too slow, blah, blah, blah. So it, that's what kept me away from it for so long. But then it's also, once you have an understanding of the game, it's really fun watching other people. Yes. But there's this like weird middle ground where it's like it's almost a hindrance, but then it can be really cool. That is so interesting and very true. Like if you haven't played the game and you're used to what's popular on Twitch or streaming sites, exactly. It's like 900 miles an hour, just clicking heads, just left and right, 36 kill games, 40 kill games. So if you're not, if that that's what's normal. But if you buy the game and play 10 raids... Then you can watch basically anybody and go, oh, how'd they do that? Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Like, you know what I mean? So that's an interesting point, how different it is. All you have to do is get into a few raids and feel the intensity and watch your ruble count go down and watch your gear start to disappear. That all of a sudden, things that would appear mundane before you play Tarkov, now you're like, wait a minute. But before you play it, that's very true. It's a very different experience. (laughs) Right. It's like, it's Tetris. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's and it's slow, kind of methodical play to start, right? So it's it's super interesting. So it's a good point. I guess um, what captured you? That's a crazy transition to go from being told to hatchet run factory to now you create content. You have a podcast about the game. You got partnered on Twitch in May, which congratulations, (laughs) by the way. But, but like, how do you go from hatchet running factory as like yeah. the, maybe the worst advice ever yeah. given to a new player on Tarkov to where you're at now? Like, how does that happen? What hooked you? Yeah. So, so being able to watch some people and realize by watching that, like the way I was playing, it was the wrong way. You know, it's like, don't hatchet run factory. You know what I mean? So that was one thing. It's really interesting. It's almost hard to quantify what captured me about the game. Well, I guess here's how you would quantify how I am a sucker for vision. Like when I hear the vision for Tarkov, I'm just like, that sounds like the best video game ever. So like a lot of people are experienced like, you know, like burnout or whatever. Like if this game, like, you know what I mean? If they're like, oh, delay again, delay again. If this game doesn't come out till 2039, I'm going to be there. Because every time Nikita opens his mouth and starts talking about the game, I just like, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. But it's so interesting because I was never into hardcore games. 
Um, I was never into games that like really rewarded you by forcing you to go through punishment first and then it feels better after like you know the 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 low-hanging fruit everybody compares it's like the dark souls the fps that's what Tarkle. you know what i mean it's just like it's really brutal it's really punishing but it's rewarding when you get there i was never i never played dark souls i was not into those games i didn't like games that were hard i played every game i ever got on normal mode i never turned it up to hard mode so it was it was weird it was weird that a game so brutal and punishing captured me so much i think i was like as a guy who just like i'm definitely not like a gun nut but just as a guy who enjoys like firearms and weapons the the realism aspect of just like having to check the chamber and like the fact that if i have a 30 round mag and i shoot 13 rounds and i reload that that mag carries those 17 rounds left and if i reload back to it it's a half like all that kind of stuff that got me in and then the vision for what the game could be once you start playing, it really like hooked me. And then for sure, I tell chat this all the time, streaming, there's not a question in my mind that I would not be playing this game right now if I wasn't streaming. Like people ask me all the time how much I play offline and it's like zero. Every time I try to play offline, I die, I get super frustrated and I close the game in like two raids. Like, And people are so weird because they're like, you're so chill. It's like, and, and I guess that ties into my backstory too, is just I'm, Video games has always been a very communal thing to me. 60% of the video games I've purchased myself, I never completed. If it's a it's if it's a single player game and I buy it and I'm like so excited about it and I'll play it and I'll put 40, 60 hours into it, I won't complete it. Video games for me, there has always been a social component to it. Even just having two or three viewers that I can like talk to and that maybe knew the game better than me and said the extracts over there, that for sure is what kept me playing. It was a really long-winded answer to your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, that was awesome, man. Like, I'm laughing because I I think the longest single player game I've finished in the last 10 years is Portal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the same way on that. So, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I'm the same way. I actually have not really played single player games in a long time. Really? Just because they're just not, I don't know. It just seems after you play a couple of really big multiplayer games, you go back to single player and it's just, it seems just kind of empty. Yep. You know what I mean? It, it It's fun if it's a puzzle like Portal or something like that or like a challenge or something like that. But it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't hold my interest either. I, I enjoy the social aspect of it. Yeah. I like being able to, you know, bring your friends along too. So so there's an interesting sort of um, dynamic there, right? And I, I want to dig into this a little bit. So yeah. you're talking about the social aspect and how that kind of kept you there. But there's a really big offline aspect to your content as well. And that's mm-hmm. making videos and doing the YouTube content. Yeah. So do you find that challenging? Do you find it challenging to be like offline and editing and doing content when there's sort of that like push pull? Like I could be online like gaming with people versus editing content offline. Uh, I, I mean, that's a really great question. No, I haven't really experienced that. Most of my videos are like, once I kind of sank into a rhythm of doing YouTube videos, a lot of them are almost like rant based where I just like, I'm just talking and then afterwards I'll go pull gameplay and put it over it. You know what I mean? Like if, unless I'm actually like, you know, like looking at the stats of a gun or something like that. But 
um, if I'm talking strategy or something like that, then it's it's really just a series that I do, the Lessons from Beyond the Grave series, where I just pull a clip from my stream, we just watch it, and then we just talk about it. Because there's so much knowledge to Tarkov, there's so much stuff to know and learn. So a, a lot of people that I respect, and they and I'm watching the videos, I'm always like, oh my gosh, like my videos could be so much better if I did this. There's always that when you're making content. But a lot of guys I really respect will spend a lot of time like playing the game and either testing something or getting the right shot or something. And uh, I just, I haven't really done a whole lot of that personally. And then there was the, my background of being a videographer. I kind of like the editing portion as somebody who like did that for and does that for a job. Like I am a huge nerd. So I love to geek out over like cameras and camera settings and all sorts of stuff like that. But I find myself like my favorite part of it isn't at the shoot, shooting the footage. It's like, I like the editing process. So that kind of make, makes that, it's just like a different hobby. So it makes it less like, oh, I could be online doing the thing. I just, I kind of enjoy it. Yeah, I can completely relate to that. Yeah. I enjoy the editing process too. And the uh, uh, the creation, like the yeah. creative part of, of when you're doing the editing, you're usually start off with something. I mean, people who are good start off with a plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I usually start off with an idea. Let's just say that. And along the way, you know, it develops into what it, the end product is. I totally relate to that feeling of you watch your, your creation, right? And you put it up there and everything's good. and you're like, wow, look at Veritas's video. I did every time. You just watch somebody else and you're like, oh, that was cool. Why don't I do that? And then, yeah. No, but it's good, man. I, I enjoy the content creation stuff too. I'm totally with you there. Yeah. When you guys are talking about this, like, I love this because I am not, how do I say this? Like, I am not the, I'm, I'm like a weird hybrid in there, right? Like, I, I just want everything set up so that I can go do it. But I also love like the creativity and then the like getting it out there, mm -hmm. right? Which is, a, which is a different side of it. So, I mean, this, this can kind of go to both of you actually, but like when you guys are talking about this, like what are your favorite like videos to make, right? I'm, I'm going a little off script here because I, mm -hmm. I just want to, I'm super curious. So like you could even say content as well, but mm -hmm. like I'm super curious, like what are your favorite videos to make when you're producing something for your YouTube channel? I think for me, it's just that kind of like, I don't know, I really like the almost like talking head, just like strategy. Like I think that's kind of where my channel is going. I started off with just like very knowledge, like, you know what I mean? Like this is the health system in Tarkov. This is the that in Tarkov. But like, there's only so much content there, right? That at some point you explain all the things in Tarkov and it's like, well, I want to keep my channel going. And then for me, I am not very good at Tarkov or the amount of time I've put into it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I understand that a lot of people with, you know, 12% survival rates are like, you have a 40% survival rate, don't complain. And I'm not complaining, but like, I've also put 2000 hours in the game and I died the, the most ridiculous ways all the time. And that's because, right, like I didn't know life CS since I was 11 and I can't. Hey, don't you attack me. I can't. <laughs> no, I wish I did. And I can't, you know, flick shot, you know what I mean? Like shroud or like, I can't think that fast yet, but I fell in love with this game. And so me like getting good at it is slower, not than most people, but than most PC gamers, because I started PC gaming with Tarkov, which is a terrible decision. And I started, you know what I mean, at, you know, 28 as opposed to 16 or whatever. So 
right at that time where I like all that stuff that I wanted to make content for, you know, explain this, explain that. And when I was done with that, I was at a place in Tarkov where my progression was slowing down a lot because they had these really bad habits that I needed to get over. Like, you know what I mean? Like playing like a console player or playing like a COD player or whatever, you know, just like mashing W. Like that was like, I used to just die so often because like I'd see an enemy and I would just never let go of W. And I would just like all the decisions I made, like, okay, shoot this and you switch to this weapon. I would just constantly be like running at them because that's just how you play COD. You just never stop moving. You know what I mean? And so like that kind of stuff just led me to like the the greater strategy. Like, you know what I mean? When when you watch Shroud or Deadly Slob is one of my favorite people to watch because he he can think of he can think so many things in an instant. And I just basically started making content about like, I'll watch him and I'll be like, what were the nine things he had to think of in that one millisecond to complete that fight? And why don't I think of those things? And then I'll make a video about, you know, suppressing your enemy or, you know, hiding in plain sight or cover or all that kind of stuff. So I've I've really kind of fallen in love with that kind of content. We're talking like strategy in Tarkov because it's really easy to see like examples of it working well and not well. So I've really kind of fallen in love with making that kind of stuff. Well, that's awesome. You said something there that I want to backtrack a little bit on, though, because Tarkov has this amazing ability to attract people from console and get them to buy an expensive PC. (laughs) And you got to get all the peripherals for the PC just so that you can get wiped all over (laughs) over the map. So you talked about some habits and you talked about W key, which, you know, console FPS is like, you know, it's not a W key, but it's the stick, like sticks forward all the time, right? All the time. I am 20 years removed from playing console, right? I switched over. It's funny you said Counter-Strike, but I literally was probably 12 years old. And I started playing Team Fortress Classic. And then shortly after, when I was 13 or 14, I played Counter-Strike. And I've been on FPS ever since. I had my World of Warcraft, you know, side side job. Then it, and it was that. So like the idea of breaking those bad habits is something that I'm telling you like twice, three times a week, we have somebody say like, hey, just found the podcast, uh, just bought a new PC or I'm buying a new PC. I want to play this game. We hear it all the time. So when you're talking about bad habits, like obviously W key, you know, the, the stuck joystick, how did you go about breaking those? Because it sounds like you may be in process on some of those, but what are you doing to get past that? Uh, Man, so there's... uh, Well, first of all, chat will just tell me exactly the reason why I die as soon as I die. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like you die and in Tarkov, it's so brutal because you lose everything and you look over and someone's like, you shouldn't have done that. And it's like, yeah, I know. You know what I mean? So like I've put a lot of energy into like accepting that feedback, even though it's frustrating because you're just like, you just want you just like want everybody to be on your side. You know what I mean? You want to like, yeah, dude, like that's dumb. I found that most of the time the troll that's in there is like, you shouldn't have like, why were you strafing there? It's like, I don't have an answer for that because you're right. And I don't want you to be right, but you're right. So it's accepting the feedback of like why I died. But it's just like every time I die and compulsively, and there are probably people who like get annoyed by it and, and, and have been driven away by my content, but like I have to explain it to myself and and then often out loud. So I'm talking to chat too. And so for people who are trying to get better, it's part of why they like being in there because like, I don't know, like, it's funny, you don't, there's things you don't about yourself that you don't know until you start like talking about and answering questions. So it is, it's weird now that I'm like talking about it, but it is like, don't compul- go changing your content. <laughs> yeah, no, I no, asked you a question. <laughs> no, not at all. But I'm like having this like epiphany. Seriously, it's like compulsively when I die, I have to explain it. And it could be as simple as like, oh, I didn't know there was two. Like, I snide, you know what I mean? Like, okay. 
And that that's it. But sometimes it's like, it's crazy. Every time we're like, okay, well, I made that decision because I thought I heard him running this way. And it turns out he was running that way. And if he was running this way, that would have been the good play because I would have caught him this way, but he wasn't. He was running this way. The audio is weird in Tarkov. It's hard to understand. And that's why I just went out right into his line of fire and I died. So there's that. And then you start to see those habits, right? It's like, how many times in a day can I say I died there because I was just running at him and that was a bad thing to do. And it's weird. It's like, Habits, it's crazy. And like habits really run deep. Like you just don't think about it. So there's, there have been quite a few that were like very active. Like I have to put a lot of brain space into breaking that habit and still have, like still to this day, like shooting center of mass is my, it's my default. That's just how I played. You know what I mean? I'll, you know, single player games. That's how I played Call of Duty. It's how just like aiming for the head is like one of the most important and fundamental like Tarkov things. Like you're going to be so much more successful. You know what I mean? If you aim for the head, there's still a lot of times where it's like I had the opportunity to line up a headshot and I didn't. So it's just a lot of practice and a lot of death, <laughs> a lot of death. We were just talking about that last. Was that today? Eric, we were talking about that on Factory where, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. where we're on Factory, right? And I, I don't even remember which one of us it was, but we're, we're sitting there and one of us was dead and the other one was like trying to find the guy roaming around. And uh, I think it was Eric, right? He finds him, right? Mm-hmm. Ronald finds this guy who had killed me because I was being dumb and running around <laughs> like an idiot. But this guy kills me from above and then Ronald has great position and then spots the guy as he's getting up from looting. So he had like this great positional advantage and he shoots and hits the guy four times, right? And he's like, oh, I missed. And I, and he's, he's like, sorry, I missed him. And I was like, dude, you hit him four times. He's like, but I could have lined up a headshot. And it's like that split second of like, you know, could you have taken the extra split second to aim? And, and hit him in the head? Yeah, maybe, right? But it's super challenging because in the moment, like I saw him hit four clean shots as this guy's running, but he had my slick armor on. That's why he got oh, away, yeah. right? So it's like, it's just crazy. That's that's a cra- It's a really good point though, is that training to aim for the head, it's, it's the simplest thing we could possibly say, but putting it into practice, my goodness. Tarkov is just one of those games where it's just so important. You know what I mean? Because like, There's so many rounds, you know what I mean? Because like most of the time, like when you think about the Chad, it's slick and probably like, you know, the Wendy XFL helmet with the face shield and like the chaddest of Chads are still only wearing class three armor on their face. Like, you know, you can get armor that pens class three day one of the wipe, you know, 762 PS is going to pretty reliably pen class three in one to two hits. And so like the, the amount of, like viability of of weapon and, and ammo choices when you're when you're aiming for the head it's just unreal but that same ammo against the slick it can tank 10 11 12 rounds sometimes so it's it really is one of those things that I'm yeah I'm still struggling to like aim for the head aim for the head yeah I found myself obviously you know struggling to aim for the head as well it's interesting because it feels like having played so many other games you're programmed to aim for the body yeah and Tarkov it just you have to aim for the head yep you know, and in this particular case, the headshot, I had the headshot there and I, I just, I missed low. And so then he got up and then it was just, you know, firing to make some hits. And But I do think that Tarkov is one of those games that you do have to have some ability of introspection. Otherwise, you're going to quit. 100%. You just can't play this game and, you know, get better without that. He's froze to me. Yep. He just dropped out of the Skype call. All right, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're back, everybody. 
Not sure exactly how this is going to clip up, but for the first time in Xfil podcast history, we had a power outage in the middle of recording, but we successfully retrieved all the audio, thankfully, and we were yes. just getting into like what was going to be and will be pretty exciting because I think this topic of introspection is just a really key critical yeah. thing. And what I wanted to talk about was a few of the tips that that I do. And almost every game nowadays has the ability to look at like your network statistics and, and all the usage and your choke and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And I always tell people, turn it off, turn it off. You know, like you don't have a choice over the ping in Tarkov. If you get a high ping, it flashes up in the top right, but you can look at the debug statistics. And when you're looking at your gameplay and getting better, if you're looking at like, oh man, I was lagging or, oh man, I had some choke and there was some stutter and oh man, I didn't hear that grenade and blah, blah, blah. You can do that all day long, in my opinion. And there's times where those real things do happen and they cause deaths. But if you take a step back like three seconds from that moment and you start looking at what you were doing even before that like game stutter or whatever it was happened, could you have been in better position? Could I have you know, thrown a grenade before they did? Could I have picked a better route? Could I have made less noise? Could I have, you know, reloaded more ammo so that my 60 rounder was topped off instead of only had 45? There's all these things that, you know, if you use those split seconds throughout the entire raid better, maybe I could have um, been on top of this situation. So I love that concept of introspection. And I guess I'm just curious, like both of you guys, like how, What do you guys do to go back and like think about how do you picture, how do you go through that and walk through it? What's your method for that? Yeah, well, I mean, I I completely agree with everything you're saying. Like, that's such a huge thing. Like before, I think it was before point twelve, and even in in the point twelve wipe, you know, all the like cheaters, there were, there were apparently everyone was a cheater and it was just like, it was rampant through the community. I used to say the same thing and it's like, well, maybe not. And even if it was like, could there have been something you could have done anyway? Like, is there still a nugget that you could have pulled? It's like, yeah, he was cheating or yeah, that was a big stutter. But I was if I'm looking at this objectively, I was probably out of position here. Like I was a little overexposed or whatever. And so there's always something for me, like the biggest thing that I've done is like, and I tell people this a lot when they ask like how to get better. I believe that whole introspection piece is like the most important thing. It's like give yourself a way to watch your own gameplay back. So in OBS, which is what I used to stream, there's like a replay buffer function where it's basically recording all the time. And after 90 seconds, it just deletes. And then every time I hit a hotkey, it just saves what happened in the last 90 seconds, just as a file. Boom. And I can change that to 10 seconds all the way to, I think, 120 seconds is the maximum. And you don't have to be a streamer. You don't have to have three monitor setup or two PC setup or whatever. Like you can use NVIDIA Shadowplay if you have an NVIDIA graphics card. I've been told if you have an AMD graphics card, they have a similar software. It's free. You can download OBS, which is a very small program and is also free. And you can just set up the replay buffer and not the stream and give yourself the ability to watch an encounter back. That has been like the number one thing. It, it was the inspiration for an entire series on my channel, The Lessons from Beyond the Grave. It countless times I've been like, that guy was cheating. Uh, that was lag. I hit those shots and then I watch it and I'm immediately humbled. And then ha- I, I have to personally I have to turn that energy into like, okay, well then what could I have done better? You know what I mean? Because like, I want to, I want to focus that, that rage that Tarkov brings in everybody. I want to like give it a place to go. That's not just like toxicity. So I give it that place where it's like, well, what could I have done better? And, um, 
there's just so often countless times I'm like, dude, I hit that shot. And then you, it's just like so clear when you watch it back that you didn't hit the shot or like the, you know, the whole cheater or lag, like even a lot of times there when you're watching it back and you can like open the clip up in VLC and slow it down. You're like, there's two more dudes over there. You know what I mean? It's like, cause Tarkov is really one of those games. Well, for me, at least Tarkov is one of those games where like once the game gives you a place for your eyes to go, it's really hard for me to pull my eyes away from that. You know what I mean? Like we're when you're running around, you're always checking the scene. But when you see a guy or something like we were playing reserve, I was playing with a buddy doing and he just got Mosin one taps. Just like we were we were doing our thing. And it was just like, boom, dead. And you're just like, oh, no, like he's dead. What's going on? And right after he died, we were up on like the bunkers near the train station and like the K buildings. And you can get up on top of those like metal roof K bunkers. And right up there, I saw a scav, a player scav, like back himself up. So he couldn't see me anymore. And I was like, oh, he's got that Mosin. So I'm holding that. And he repeaks it a few times as I'm trying to get an angle through the bushes. And I was like, so ready for this, this headshot. I never end up finding the guy. I play out the rest of the raid. And then chat's like, oh, my, OMG, you know, he still doesn't know. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And they posted a clip. And I thought that that player scav killed my friend, but it wasn't. The guy that killed him was seriously like 15 feet to my direct left but looking the same direction I was. So he never saw me and I never saw him. And we never ended up running into each other. I think he thought it was too hot to go for the loot. So he ended up looping. Maybe a player scav killed him. But the guy, I just like went. So Tarkov is a game where like when it gives you a place for your eyes to go, it's really hard for me to pull my eyes away from that. So, so many of those times where I'm like, that was desync, that was BS, that was the net code, the server tick, the cheater. So many times when you're watching it back, when you're not in the moment, when you're not risking your own gear and you're watching that clip back, a lot of times you're just like, oh, there was three more guys. I didn't see those guys. <laughs> they probably killed me. You know what I mean? So having that ability to watch that small encounter back, you can delete the video. It doesn't have to take up hard drive space. It doesn't trash your FPS. Like people have asked me all the things like it's just a free way to get better at the game. You know what I mean? So that's that's always been my thing too is just like give yourself the ability to to learn from your own mistakes because Tarkov doesn't there's no kill cam there's no ability to go watch a raid back sometimes you die and you never saw the guy and you never got to fire your own weapon and you never it's just and you're like you're like what do I do with this I'm just back at the main menu but a lot of times there's a nugget in there maybe a bush you didn't hear or a person you didn't see so that that's been a huge help for me in trying to get better at the game that's awesome. I, I just call it like coaching time and, and I do the same thing. And I've actually put up a few videos now, like on factory <laughs> of, of breaking down all of my thought processes, things I did well, the things I didn't do well. There was a time that just recently where, you know, I'm just like, I'm fragging out, man, on the main floor of factory. And there was a point where a scav with a hunter was up in the rafters just like waiting to line up a shot. And fortunately for me, he missed his first two shots Oof. somehow, but he was up there for like two minutes, just like waiting for the perfect moment. And so it's, yeah, like I, I was seriously dead, like for two minutes, could yeah. have died at any moment. Um, so I, I think that's, I think that's just really good. And yeah. I do want to talk about really quick though, when you're watching it back and you see something like, I guess for someone who's never recorded their own gameplay before, mm -hmm. how often 
do you change your gameplay based on a video you watched? Uh, I mean, a lot of times it's like iterative. It's all it's I watch myself die the same way a hundred times before because it's all like what fascinates me about PC gaming is just the speed at which a human can process so many different decisions in an instant and then make a decision that nets them a victory. And so that's fascinating. And I'm trying to figure out right now how to squeeze more information in that millisecond. You know what I mean? Because I, I find myself dying a lot that way. Last night, with our very last raid, we were on Shoreline. We were pushing up to the resort. People were already in there and they were taking shots at us from the resort. And so we were able to put together, there's at least two, they're on multiple levels. They're making a lot of noise. We're making a lot of noise. And I'm so focused on gathering information about the enemy. Okay, I hear him on wood. He's got to be right here. This other guy's upstairs that I, it was like I didn't have enough room to think about where my teammate was going to be. But when we watched it back, it was like he ran up the metal stairs on the external side of shoreline to go right up to the roof and was going to then come down on him. So those stairs were in my vision and they're loud and nothing else makes that sound. So I had plenty of cues to tell me that my teammate was going upstairs outside. Plenty of cues. But all my brain space was spent on where are these guys? I threw a VOG inside and I whipped around inside and I catch this guy reloading his HK. And I just think it's my teammate. And I'm just looking at him and he reloads it and then just shoots me and I die. And I was like, what? Like, and it was so frustrating because I like, I immediately knew that that was my fault. You know what I mean? That like, and I was telling him, I was like, Hey, no, no, your call outs were good. Like that wasn't, he was like, I'm sorry. I didn't tell you. I was like, no, like that's just one of those things where like my brain wasn't processing enough of the information or I was focusing too much on that. So there's that. And then watching your own videos back, it's, it's exactly that. It's like, okay. Now on the on the hindsight 2020, I, I have the information on what I should have done there. It's figuring out how to squeeze that into that millisecond. Like, how do I then start checking? How do I then start considering those things? Where's my teammate? You know what I mean? And it takes a lot. And like, because of that, a lot of times what I do when I spawn in with somebody now, I'll look at them and I'll just be like, okay, 8R, 6B47, Gen 4. And then that just helps me because then when I walk in on this bear with a flannel and a Wendy helmet, it's like, oh, I just know. Like, even if I don't know where you are, I just know he's not you so I can shoot him. So like little stuff like that, it's just it is it's way over time, though. You know what I mean? Like when people a lot of times when people say like I'm about to buy the game or I just bought the game and they're like, you know what I mean? Do you have any advice? A lot of times I'll tell them, like, don't take it seriously until your thousandth death. And that's such a dramatic thing to say, but that's almost like a way to break the ice on like, it's going to hurt that bad. And if you take it super seriously, you're going to get frustrated. Like every death is a lesson and there's lots of lessons to learn in Tarkov. So die a lot. That's the best thing you can do. Just like die a lot, but give yourself an ability to like think about how you died. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, that it always hurts when I, when people, they go in brand new, they, they play a few games, they die, they die, they die, they die, they die. And then they spend the next six months in the game with a pistol, slow creeping along the edges of the map. They run in and they just pick the, the rest of the loot up. And it's like, if you want to play that way, that's actually, that's awesome because Tarkov, you can totally be a scavenger and never have to worry about combat. But if you don't want to play that way, you're hurting yourself by playing that way. Like you're so scared to die 
You know what I mean? That's my thing. Like people are like, why are you so aggressive? Like you're usually so it's like, well, because I want to play aggressive. That's what I want to learn how to play. So I'm okay with losing millions and millions and millions of rubles in an attempt to learn that. So like that's that's what I always it's just it hurts me when people play the game the way they don't want to play because they're so scared to die. It's like death is the best teacher in Tarkov. And and then if you and then there's billions of resources like your guys's discord, our discord, countless discord streams where you can then link up with people. I've got no money. Let's go run some raids. I'll pull you through some labs or whatever. We'll get you some money like that stuff can come. But like if you're if you're playing the game the way you don't want to play it, you'll never learn to play the game the way you want to play it. So, And this is like everything you just said is fascinating because one of the coolest things to me, right? And FPS player have been forever, right? And, and Ronald is like, you know, he played RTS at an extremely high level, um, like WoW mm-hmm. Arena at an extremely high level, PvE WoW, like just kind of a different genre, right? And then he did play some FPS and now he's come back to playing FPS kind of, right? Tarkov is FPS kind of, right? It's <laughs> FPS plus, you know, whatever, all the other yeah, stuff. Plus. And so like this is fascinating to me because sort of unintentionally through editing and going back through footage, like we watch a lot of stuff back over, but also intentionally we've actually done some like split screen analysis of videos. So I'm actually really curious, like Eric, like when you listen to this, has this like added anything to like what we've been doing or like how do you view this whole interception thing, like especially coming from other genres of games into FPS now? I think back to some of our early episodes of Exfil where we were talking about how scabbing too much really hurts your progression in the game and how Mm. one of the big things that I had to do early on was just force myself to do scabbing as a PMC. So I just stopped scabbing for like a couple weeks and I just did all PMC. So I, I mean, I had to die for a while. It had to be punishing, but that was like the basic level of early Tarkov, you know, sub hundred hours played. You just have to force yourself to do the thing where you can lose all the things Yeah, because it, it doesn't feel good, right? It, it, it really doesn't <laughs> feel good and it's frustrating. But once you get over that hump and, and that, that came from you know, just initially recognizing that I wasn't progressing very fast and that was my own fault because I was taking the easy way out scaving. But then I got into this kind of rut, right? Uh, You know, I I was PMCing, but dying a lot because I really didn't know what I was doing. And in the thing that I really didn't understand early on. And, you know, my advice to new players is very similar to yours, Jesse, is to find a way to record their gameplay to look at it. And I would just add one more thing to it. It's the biggest hurdle I had in this game was sound. And so learning, learning how Tarkov does sound for one thing, and it's a little different than other FPS games, at least that I've played in the past. And so getting over the hurdle of spotting an enemy based upon hearing that enemy in a certain direction, Mm -hmm. doing something, bush, running on a grate, running on wood. And the diversity of environment in Tarkov can lead you down very confusing paths early on in your Tarkov journey. And one of the things that just really, really was frustrating for me early on was I heard an enemy, I was ready to engage in PvP, and I was just looking in the wrong direction. Yeah. And, and I would record, you know, the last 30 or 60 seconds, and I would look at it, and I would just be like, yeah, when I when I look at this back, yeah, he was totally the other way, and I'm dead. Yeah, 
and you know, and it's, and there's no death cam, right? So that is that all comes down to that's extra effort to get to the point where you're able to do that kind of analysis. And so I really think that it's just super important to learn sound. And I'll just one last point on this is where I really had my breakthrough was on factory. I forced myself to play factory a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And and that really honestly wasn't until this wipe where Mm. I forced myself to play factory a lot. And Mike made a video on factory on his strategies. And my strategy is a little bit different, but it accomplishes the same type of thing. You basically lock down the majority of factory minus the office. And Mm -hmm. you're able to understand the sounds that are coming at you from all directions. And it's really interesting. That has helped me get over that hump. So I just sound, sound is such a big deal in this game. Oh, that's a great point. It is. And it's so funny because, Eric, you said something with the no replay that, Jesse, I agreed with you so hard that I forgot my own point that I was trying to make. So <laughs> when you all listen back and hear me stutter, it's because I was trying to remember this. And I, this is my dream, okay? And I love replay systems. I love Death Cam. And I know that Nikita says he's not going to do it. I get that. Mm-hmm. I hope that somewhere, whether it's the arena that they've teased and talked about or somewhere that somehow this gets in there because you were talking about the guy 15 feet from you on the K buildings that you didn't see. Mm -hmm. And for one, from a content perspective, some of the like close proximity stuff. And again, you guys, I know you hate when I talk about PUBG, but some of the funniest things that I've ever seen in gaming were going back through replays in PUBG and realizing that like there's a dude prone in a bush, like two feet from me for five minutes or like, oh, that grenade, like the guy that I killed with the grenade was actually 20 feet beyond the guy that I was throwing the grenade at. And I left and the guy just stood there and didn't know where I went. And I can't even imagine in a game like Tarkov, if we had the ability to look in a free cam over a replay of a raid, do you know how many ridiculous things probably happen in every single raid? It's like, I, it, Dude. some of the, the ways I've died and the ridiculous stuff, like it, it mm-hmm. just must, it would be hilarious. The content would be amazing. Now, it's a hardcore game and I get that. And there's spots that, you know, there's a lot of people that probably would never stream because they don't want people to know their spots. It's a hardcore game yeah. and that's okay. So like, I get it that it's not a reality and Nikita is vehemently opposed to it. But yeah, I that's my dream is that somewhere I would love the ability to have this because for one, it's an amazing learning tool to watch the flow of maps yeah. and watching where people come from, where they go, how they rotate, how they shoot, how they peek, how they zoom in, when they zoom out, all of these different things that we really don't have access to other than through YouTube or or streaming. But the difference is what we've all been talking about is the introspection piece. And there is no replacement for experiencing something that you've watched somebody else do a hundred times and then you mess it up and you're like, oh, (laughs) you know, like I can watch Pestily run through reserve on his run a hundred times, but then I go run that same run and I make a left instead of a right and I get lost. But then I have learned how to do it. And that's where the replay system and all those kinds of things can really help. So it's a dream of mine because I love those systems. But I also know that it's probably not a reality. So thank you for letting me, uh, leading me into my dream because I totally, I was totally trying to remember it. And I just agreed too hard. 
<laughs> it is rough. I mean, maybe in the arena because that's such a. It, I imagine it'll be a much more fast paced. Like, I doubt we're gonna have fifty minute arena raids. You know what I mean? It's just like six v six. Everyone's dead in three minutes. Like, I'm sure on the back end it would be easier to watch that. But there is that aspect of like being able to see the flow of the whole thing. But Ronald, when you were talking about the sound, dude, that's such like it's such a good point, especially for newer players. It's like there's an attempt at so much depth in the sound. The fact that, you know, wood sounds different, grass, concrete, glass, like, you know what I mean? And like, and then there's a lot of intentionality around map design. Where is there wood? Where is like, there's so much intentionality there, which I love from BSG's end. But then unfortunately, the flip side of that coin is we just like have terrible audio processing. So then it almost makes that like really good intention and like it makes really good map design, sometimes bad map design, ultimately, when you're just so confused at the noise, you know what I mean? Like when it, it sounds like they're right in front of you or behind. Customs dorms, it can be so rough. Where like all if you're on second floor, all three levels sound like they're on the same level as you and you're just like, there's a dude around this door and then you make a bunch of noise to make the push and then he's not there. He's up and now he knows you're there and you're like, oh, geez. But I think I'm so excited for Steam audio. I think the most recent update we got from Nikita is that it's currently really CPU heavy, which is something that if you've looked into Steam audio, you know that that's a thing. So I think they're working on optimizing that and then even potentially moving to new Unity engines. But like if you do any research into what Steam audio is, it's almost like it was built for Escape from Tarkov. Like, because it matches the intentionality with which they design maps, which like the whole, I guess like the really short version of what Steam Audio is, is that it's it's supposed to simulate the way sound reverberates off different objects. If you, you know, you yell in front of a pane of glass, it'll sound different than if you yell in front of cardboard or in front of concrete. And that's the point. And so I think you know, Steam Audio is only half implemented right now. And if we can ever get to that next spot, I feel like it'll really unlock Tarkov. But it is a rough spot. Factory is such a great example of that. Like, I'm just confident that like you're both like nine times better at Factory than I am because I understand the way the map flows. But like I was doing Punisher Part 6 three days ago and I hear something and I'm like, chat, I don't know where he is. I hear him. I don't know where he is. And then he just runs up behind me. Like the audio on that map has got me so turned around. I just like, I'm like, I'm going to run this way and hope he's this way. And then 50% of the time I'm right, 50% of the time I'm wrong. And so what I always say about factory is like the people who are best at factory mastered a broken system. Like the audio is so scuffed. You just master it. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, they just know that that sound is supposed to be here, but it's here and I heard it. So I'm going to push him. And I haven't, I just don't get that. So like when you watch, I mean, when you watch Warren or Landmark or these guys just like, oh, I'm going to run factory for a few hours. You can just see them. They stand still and they just hear the slightest thing and they just uh, drop down. I'm now behind them and I shot you. They just know and they know where they're going. And I just can't, I just can't nail that. So the audio, man, I'm so excited for, for Steam Audio to kind of come through. But it's rough. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for Steam Audio as well. I tried playing with it a little bit, and it's odd at the moment, for, at least for me. Yeah. So I turned, I turned it off. I, I think I, I like it. You can sell me on Vision once again. So the Vision for Steam Audio is so good that I turned it on, and I was just like, I've just decided that I was going to learn it. Like, it is definitely different. It's weird. And there was a bug with it where grenades, if you guys don't, do you play with it? Yeah, I do. Like, yeah. yeah, okay. Like for like a week, grenades. There were just no directional audio. They just sounded like they blew up on top of you, and it was just like, 
Oh, okay. But I feel like it, it helps directional audio a little bit, but it did definitely change the way something sounded. So, I mean, I, it's, when it comes in more, it's definitely going to be awesome. Yeah, and, and I would say, I'll, I'll, t- I'll say this, as someone who's put a lot of hours in Factory, Factory is a sound map. It, that's mm-hmm. it. It's a sound map. I think it will always be a sound map. Like they I agree. put glass in certain places and wood in certain places, and it's all cues. So like the best thing is to lock down an area and learn where all the sounds are. Hundred percent. Yeah. No doubt about it. But with Steam Audio, it helps the directional sound a bit. Um, for me, it it actually is worse in some spots, but it's more for me just yeah. a commitment to saying, okay, if they're going to go down this path. I want to at least be used to it by the time it comes in. Yeah, I didn't notice a massive difference. And funny enough, factory, I actually didn't notice any difference at all when using Steam Audio, which is why I left it on because I could still play how I wanted to play. (laughs) That kind of makes sense. Like where I've noticed it the most is big outdoor maps. Like Mm -hmm. where in the past, like if I'm on customs, like, you know what I mean? Near the campfire and I hear something go off, it used to just be like, okay, I know it's that way. But now a lot of times from, you know, the road next to the campfire, I can determine if it's dorms or gas station, like more specific, like that was an inside sound, but much farther away. Like, you know what I mean? So it's more that. So it kind of makes sense. We're factory where it's all inside. It's all inside sounds. It's all closer. It's not going to be that much of a difference. But there are definitely moments where it feels worse and then moments where it feels better. But it's like, like they just kind of put that on top of the current audio system so that it just it's interesting. I completely agree with that. The The thing that I noticed the most about Steam Audio was in the outdoor environments. I play a lot of Shoreline. And nice. when I turned Steam Audio on, it was really interesting because I heard things from the resort that I had never heard before. So I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm running around on Shoreline and I stop and hide. I'm like, what is that? so it took a little bit of getting used to i I, it was just odd to get used to i guess my last point about like getting better by reviewing your own strategy is kind of the one thing i wanted to ask you because i i run into this question a little bit in our discord in our community and i always tell people uh, kind of the same answers people say like i watch a guide video and i just can't do that like i can't i'm not successful and i always tell people that They have to play like they play. You can't emulate someone who has thousands of hours in a game, not just Tarkov, but any game. What you you can do is get a general direction from someone who has thousands of hours in a game. Yeah. But telling people to play like they play. And I remember a point early on in, in the last wipe when we were getting into this where for myself, I just started playing my own way completely. And that was very different than at least yeah. some of the other people around me. Most of my friends are FPS chads. And so <laughs> <laughs> I would I would play and it would be completely different, right? And I found success doing it the way that I wanted to do it, right? Yep. For me. I think it's interesting because Tarkov allows so many different types of play styles to be equally as successful in the end. Yep. And I I, I don't know a lot of games that really can can get you there. And I just, you know, what are your thoughts on that on that kind of concept? Man, I love that you brought that up because like you're so right. Tarkov is like really really is unique in that way. Like you know, the community as a whole loves to like talk about what's meta, what's meta, you know, guns, meta armor, meta this, meta that. If your goal is like survive raids and make money, there isn't a meta like play style. If I just want to survive raids and make money, you could go night factory and farm scavs for years, dude, and like find crazy stuff in their pockets and sell it and sell your scav gear and you can survive a lot of raids and you could make a lot of money and never touch a slick or never, you know, rush dorms or whatever. 
So like, I love that you brought that up. Like one of my favorite content creators to watch is Smoke because he stands out among the crowd as as somebody who like decidedly plays different than like what would be the meta play style of like the streaming world where, you know what I mean? It's like chat up, how many PM PMC kills can I get? Which I find that entertaining as well. But you watch him and it's like he's playing a different video game. And he, but he's so successful at it, man. He'll extract with 30 seconds left and he'll have, you know, 16 scav kills and three PMC kills. And it's just, yeah, I completely agree. It's like play how you want to play. There's a million different ways to enjoy Tarkov. So find the one that you enjoy. And then the other thing is just like, it's, you know, yeah, I saw a guide or I saw a pestily wipe scav boss and I can't do that. And it's like, you don't know how many, well, going back to like death is the best teacher. Like you don't know how many times Pestily died to scab boss to learn how to make those split second. Like, I know I can't repeat this angle because I know he's aggroed me. You know what I mean? And he doesn't say that he's just fighting and then retreating and then pushing and then retreating and then pushing. And it's like, you don't know how many times he died to learn those things. Just like when you see somebody who's amazing at basketball, it's like they've made more shots than you, but they've also missed way more shots than you because there's the rub. It's like, don't play a way you don't want to play. But if there is a, one, a way you want to play and you're just not that good at it, like you kind of have to charge into it and keep dying and keep learning because then you'll get to like, you know, Pestle's died 50,000 times. Who knows? You know what I mean? And it's like, that's why he's so good. So I, I love that you brought that up because Escape from Narco really does provide you any way you want to play the game. You can be profitable and you can survive raids. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually love this because it's, I love focusing on the individual player, like how I play Tarkov, not how somebody should play Tarkov or what the yeah, game yeah. does to you. Like, I love that concept. I do want to transition a little bit because one of the things that fascinated me, and this is specifically on your last show, and I've listened to, I think, just about the entire podcast catalog, but you and Veritas talked at length about RMT and changes to the mm -hmm. game. So, right, we just spent a lot of time talking about ourselves, the individual player, and, and now I want to talk a little bit about the game. So, um, we've spent a fair amount of time analyzing it on the show as well. And to give you an idea, we recorded the night that they changed the thick cases. <laughs> And then they, the next day they reverted it, but we recorded in between the change. Yeah. So like we, we went on record and, you know, we oh. we thought it might change. And so we said that, but yeah. we, were, we were in the middle of that. You know, BSG's had a lot of knee jerking going on. I mean, everything from ammo, bitcoins, thick cases, bagception, and, and yeah. most recently the percentage of loose loot in lootable areas and weapon crates has now been touched. So like, yeah. how do you think this is affecting the game right now? Man, it's so hard. So I, you know, I talk with Veritas a lot, who's, you know, a lot more in the circle of like, he speaks with Nikita and stuff like that. And Nikita said on the podcast and Veritas has mentioned before that like, they as a development team spend like a third of their total resources, man hours devoted to just addressing RMT cheating and like server instability because in some of these previous huge patches where a lot of people, you know, 30 minute queues, which we don't have anymore, which is great. You know, imagine an entire development team spends 33% of their time. So it's like, it's just impossible to say it hasn't affected the game. You know what I mean? Like in the the team podcast where uh, Nikita came on and really kind of like vented about a lot of stuff, you know what I mean? And somebody asked him when the Anton, I think, asked him like, when do you think the game's going to go 1.0? And you could just hear it in his voice. He was like, we were hoping this year, <laughs> because, but, we, but we have spent so much time. So it's definitely affecting 
the game. And then, yeah, like we've got a ton of changes going on. And I have a really hard time kind of planting a flag on what I think is like better or worse. Um, and, and if you watch the, the podcast, you know, like I was is so humbled. Like I really, a lot of times just kind of, I don't vocalize a lot of my opinions unless I'm streaming and chatting. And they made that change. And I was so against that change. Like I, you know, I took to Twitter and I was like, hey, this kind of is lame. And I stand by a lot of the reasons why, but I made that proclamation out into the world without knowing from their perspective, like why this change was made. You know, the thing is, so many of us look at these changes through the lens of a good hearted player. It's like, why would they touch GP coins or why would they touch thick items cases? And it's like, they like, unfortunately have to think through the eyes of the worst of the worst. And so we just stuff that we might not even consider they're having to kind of be all over. It really is like a, it's slowing development. It's affecting gameplay and like you were saying, numerous ways, like what we can carry, how we carry things, quest rewards, the progression. And I have a really hard time with it because I know they don't want to be dealing with it. I don't want to be dealing with it. The only thing worse than not being able to get a thick items case is dying to a cheater every day because they cheat so they can make money so that they can sell those things. So like, you know what I mean? So it's like the RMT and the cheating are very linked. I don't know if people understand that. I think they do. Like, you know what I mean? It's like people cheat so they can sell items to you for money. So when you buy those things with RMT, it's you're just like you're funding cheating because that's how they do it. It's all this one big mesh and it's hard. And even like right before I sat down to the show, I saw Deadly Slav threw up a little poll on Twitter and he was like, what do you guys think about just like getting rid of the flea market? He's like, I don't know what I think either. But he was just like, I want to see the poll because so much of it gets funneled through there. You know what I mean? Like, and so it's just, it's, it's hard, man. It's like, it's heartbreaking because I want Nikita to be able to make this game, but it's permeated the whole thing. Yeah. And it it is hard. And we had offline, Ronald and I were talking about this. And I think the biggest challenge in it is not knowing exactly where the game's going to end up in 1.0, right? Because right now it's a seasonal game, right? And for me, the biggest game that I would relate that to is Diablo 3. And what they've said they want to do is a persistent MMO type game, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where the conflict is. Because like, again, I would look at like Blizzard, which is one of the biggest companies that has both styles of game, right? They have WoW Mm. and they have Diablo 3. And the interesting part in the seasonal version of that, the Diablo 3 method was that game started out with a real money auction house. Then it went, it got rid of that and it went to the auction house and then they got rid of it completely and they still allowed trading. And then they got rid of that completely and they made it so you could only trade with people who were in the raid with you and you have your own personalized loot. So they went through this whole spectrum that if Tarkov, if they decided like this is going to be a seasonal game and maybe you have a persistent PMC and then there's a seasonal one and blah, 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 they could go that route. And then you look at a game that like, wow, has the MMO side where they have a flea market, basically the auction house there. But then RMT became such a big problem that they literally said, we're going to make our own RMT. Like, screw you, RMTOs, we're just going to do it. So it's like, it's the hard part is it seems like there's a vision conflict. Like, do they keep developing based on wipes or do they go the persistent route? And it's like, when does that change make it? But it seems like no matter what they decide in the interim, we have this problem of cheating in RMT, which is affecting our gameplay right now. 
Man, that's and that, those are the two extremes. I've even heard those opinions. I heard somebody's like, dude, Nick, they should just sell rubles <laughs> like because then you get rid of the cheaters. You know what I mean? But and then it's yeah, a lot of times it's like those are the polarizing. It's like get rid of the flea market. Let's go back to the way it was or just sell rubles and then get rid of it that way. But it is hard. And you're you're right. And they have been I don't know. It's I don't know if they have been apprehensive to declare what they want the, the final thing to be or if they don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I would suspect there's an element of both in there because it's been a very fluid development, right? Like a lot of like really positive things are in the game because they went beta, right? Because we're playing the game and because we're able to see and play these things out, a lot of really positive things are in the game as a result of that. But, you know, trying to look at it from their perspective, you know, they put the flea market in and, you know, I think maybe two, three wipes later, you know, it, the game blew up the first drops event. And, you know, they, I always go back to this. Nikita said at one point, he said, if we ever reach 30,000 concurrent players, we'll call it a success. You know what I mean? And we're still two years away from 1.0 and there's 250,000 people playing the game on wipe day, I think not daily, but on right. wipe day. So it's like, so now they're, and then there was like six weeks where like all they were doing was like buying every server available. And it's like, if when you look at it from their perspective, there's a lot of things that you can see where it's like, you know, they they went from... I So you guys, y'all started right before the drops event, right? Right, you early in, December. Yep. In point 12, yep. but before the drops event. Okay, in previous wipes, like 11.5 and 11.7, like when it got down to like the few weeks before the wipe hit, there were like, there were times where there were like 1,200 concurrent players playing EFT. So like, I mean, there it's like, it's like, oh, I'm going to go to EU servers today because there's nobody on this server. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's crazy. So, so to catapult, the worst that it ever was, was in 11.7, right before the 0.12 wipe. So 0.12 wipe happened in October. Drops event happened in January. So week one of October, there's 1,100 people playing Escape from Tarkov. Week one, January, there's 200,000. So from a developer standpoint, like, at what point does the vision for your game go out the window and you're just trying to like keep the servers alive, like, you know, keep the cheaters out and then you're six months after that and then where does it all mash back up of like we pick back up the vision and has the vision changed now that there's so many people? So I have no idea, but I would guess that they're kind of going through like an existential crisis on like, they want to wrap the game up. They don't want to develop it until 30, 47. But at the same time, they want to be true to their original vision. But that vision has to have changed with this many people playing. So the term you use, uh, like we're just in the middle, like we're not a seasonal, like officially a seasonal game. And we're not like officially like an open world MMO. We are really in like Tarkov's identity crisis or it's midlife crisis or whatever you want to call it, where like, here's what I think as like a, as a very like soft opinion, like I wouldn't like fight for this opinion, but like, like a gut opinion is I'm for whatever sweeping, harsh decision they want to make to like stop RMT and cheating in their tracks for like six months to get them back on track. And Pestley kind of threw that out. He was like, would you consider turning the flea market off for a month? Would you consider? And and I had been thinking that same thing, like whatever it is, like, I don't care. Like if you wipe me again, even though I'm really close to Kappa, to me, the most important thing is the game. And if if the game is like at 60% right now and it's just never going to get any better, I'm okay with playing it at 30% for a month or two if we can get it to 90% later. I don't know if I represent a majority there. I you know what I mean. But like it, it just really does feel like they need to like regroup, 
not have to worry about cheaters for a while, talk about what do we want this game to be? What do we have to do to get it there? What what things are we trimming? We wanted this feature. We're not putting that in anymore. Okay, we'll turn it all back on now. You know what I mean? Like I'm kind of for whatever that is. If it's flea market, if it's, I don't know, it's just hard. I just want them to be okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I I think a lot of us share that perspective and it's not just because we're content creators, you know, in this group, but I think a lot of people who have stuck with Tarkov through this somewhat uh, turbulent time share that that desire for the end product to be you know developed as solidly as possible yeah i i think right now i I don't think battle state understands what rmt is and what it isn't Mm. i think that the people that perhaps are making the decision on what what rmt is and what it isn't you know maybe that group needs to have more input because the drastic swings in strategy that they're doing to try to combat it don't make sense you know, they, there, there's, yeah. they, they really don't. And there's there's no goal, even if the goal was to say there's no more flea market or there's no more items or there's no more hideout, you know, and the game is just going to be a shooter, a seasonal shooter, you know, mm-hmm. which I don't think they want that. Yeah. Um, but so but they're they, they're making all these drastic kind of moves to react to cheating, to RMT, whatever. Yeah. And the thing is. A lot of games before Tarkov have dealt with this yeah. and have just worked with, they've worked around it. Every MMO deals with this. Yeah. And so they figure out ways to get around it. And it seems like at times BSG just doesn't really, not trying to be negative here, it just seems like at times they don't have a cohesive strategy. Like it just feels like sometimes we're playing whack-a-mole at the arcade. Yeah. We're not doing game design for a purpose right now you know what i mean it's really interesting because it you know like nikita come out and say okay well the next round of you know labs is going to be behind customs and streets of tarkov right you know and Mm -hmm. and you have to exfil from two maps to get out of labs i mean and that design element is obviously influenced by the fact that they don't want people getting out of labs with a bunch of gear yeah right the find and raid change a reaction to the rmt which was terrible for the player base but you know rmt is in their mind the the larger issue so it's it's really interesting to me because from the sidelines i'm watching them sacrifice large amounts of goodwill on the player base and when Mm -hmm. you design a video game goodwill from the players is probably the hardest thing to build up the franklin covey emotional bank account as we like to joke yeah (laughs) and that well is not infinite right no and i guess that you have to decide like Who's RMT really affecting? How many instances of cheating are there really that are affecting? And you got to play the demographics, you know, got to play the the large bulk of people and kind of decide, okay, is the cure worse than the disease? You know what I mean? And that, yeah. that, that's kind of where I've been thinking about this the last couple of weeks. That's a great point. A lot of it is like, so I can actually super duper empathize because you were saying like, I don't want to be negative and and I don't take that as negative because like I can at the same time, like pretty objectively say that like some of the stuff they're doing is weird, but empathize with why it's weird, right? It's like they were like a ragtag group of like Russian indie game devs that like we said in, in six months went from like, you know, like 10,000 people on this earth know what my game is to now, you know what I mean? It's number one on Twitch and Dr. Disrespect and Shroud and Tim the Tapman's playing it, Dr. Lupo's playing it. Like that's, it's like a case of just like, you know, child stardom. It's like these, you know, and now, and now they don't know what to do. And these guys like 
freak out when, you know what I mean? So that's where we're at. So like, I totally empathize with the fact that like they're running around like chickens with their heads cut off, trying to figure out how to navigate a triple A game that they never meant to make, right? Like, you know what I mean? They're at that size of concurrent players and and um, marketing and stuff like that, like of like how many people know them, like they're, they're there, but they didn't set out to do that. They didn't know how to do that. They're not trained to do that. So I empathize with that fact, but you can empathize with that fact. But on the other end, you're so right where it's like at the end of the day, as long as this game is up, people are playing it and you have to, you're responsible to provide them with the experience you want them to have. And so like you're saying, you can have, you can say both things. You can be like, this is messed up. But at the same time, I understand why it's messed up but it's your responsibility to find a solution. Like, and that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, it is your responsibility to find a solution. So what you were saying, was like the whole is the cure worse than the disease. That's a really interesting, like, because because I'm always curious as to this kind of stuff. I have seen, and maybe you guys have seen this as well. I, I felt like there were a few times where, like, it feels like BSG is very segmented where like these people work on this, these people work on this, these people work on this. And so a lot of times if somebody brings up to Nikita in a podcast, like, hey, did you know that this is like all messed up? And he'll be like, no, I'll fix that. And it's just like, oh, okay, cool. But I think I've always been curious about like, whatever it was a few months ago, where like everybody, it wasn't everybody, but it felt like everybody was convinced that they, every time they died, it was a cheater. And that was really hard because Escape from Tarkov is set up that like, you don't always get to know how you die. So the natural way Escape from Tarkov plays, once you start introducing cheating, it's just what everybody's going to say because it's like an excuse. You know what I mean? So like you brought up, I would actually really love to see like, and I don't even know if they have it, like the actual data, like how many people were cheating. Because maybe if we just, <laughs> maybe less players were affected by the cheaters than by all these RMT changes, maybe. And I don't know if that's true, but it's just, it's interesting because I don't know what the, because like we all have opinions on the changes that they're making and all the containers and the find and rate and all that stuff. But my struggle, like the reason why I always kind of side with BSG on it is I don't know what the other solution would be. Like what's the other way other than just like kind of leave it alone and hope the cheating doesn't get too bad. It's man, it's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah, one of the things that I just kind of taken a step back and thought about this kind of objectively from a business perspective, that BSG is a small team, right? They're a yeah. small team, which means their decisions are more relationally driven than, mm -hmm. say, a large AAA company like Activision or, you know, yeah. Blizzard or whatever. And I would think that because of that, the relationships that people have directly with Nikita and that group's even smaller, right? Because you can only have so many people that are influential. And I don't know this, but it, it seems to me like there could be an opportunity for that small group of people to have a large influence on the game. I just wonder, you know, playing the averages, right? I've, I've started to wonder with some of the decision making, if that small group of people for better or for worse, right? You know, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm just saying that everybody has their idea in their mind of what Tarkov needs to yes. be and what it doesn't need to be, <laughs> Yeah. right? And I'm thinking that the way these some of these decisions have been made and just watching how it's affected just players in our Xville community, okay? Young, new, new players in the Xville community, watching the, like, how it's played out this wipe, with some of these things, you know, we're six weeks in or whatever, seven weeks in, it just seems to me like, okay, either 
they didn't really think about this from all the different types of players. Because remember we talked before, like you can play this game very, you can play this game a lot of different ways. And it seems like they didn't flush it out from all different types of players, or maybe they don't have a lot of very variety of play styles represented in that, you know, that small group of people. It just, I just know from my own experience that small companies are relationally driven. And a lot of these decisions just feel like they're relational decisions. Yeah. And I don't know. I just wanted to get your thought on that. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I just wanted to throw that out there. No, I see what you're saying. And I and I, I think I have to agree, right? Like, because cause like you're saying, you're not for better and for worse. You're not throwing anybody under the bus, but it's definitely felt like there have been a few times where, yeah, somebody said they want something and it happens. And sometimes that thing is a great thing. And sometimes it's a great thing for some people. And sometimes it's just not really a great thing at all. And it is hard on multiple fronts. Like you were saying, it's like you, you don't ever want a super small group of people to represent everybody. You know what I mean? Especially if that super small group of people all tend to think a certain way. The other thing for me, though, isn't necessarily about that small group of people. It's just that like Nikita is the one who came up with all this. Like I want the game he wants to make. You know what I mean? That's just what I want. Like, you know what I mean? I, th- I think the one of the quickest things that drains that like emotional, you know, that relational currency is like um, wavering. Like if you're not steadfast, that it's just like, wait, what? Like, you know what I mean? Like they, and there've been a few things. Did y'all see the console? Like Tarkov is coming to console. (laughs) It was in, it was like a, it was in a forum thing. And it was like for like two years, all he's ever said was like, LOL, no way. Like, don't stop asking me that question. And then all of a sudden it was like, there are very active conversations about coming to console. And when that's the kind of stuff that people are just like, what? But this all drives me back to my point where it's like, what I want is for them to just get back together and decide what they want to do. It's a blessing and a curse to have a game where you can play any way you want because anytime they make a shift, it's going to inherently benefit this type of player and hurt that type of player. Like it's going to be really hard to move the whole ball forward. And uh, I think it's we're in danger of some real toxicity if we can point that cannon at anybody other than BSG. If we ever feel like Jesse Kazam said he wanted this and he got it, that's a potentially toxic thing. Like the villain, unfortunately, it's got to be them. It's got to be Nikita going, this is a hardcore game. F you, sorry, this is what we want. Because if we start pointing that cannon at other people, it just gets weird. And so there's, it's just, yeah. I kind of disagree on some of that because the part I really agree on is the vision of the game, right? And when you said like Nikita thought all this up and and we want him to make the game he wants to make, I, I agree with that. And there's another aspect that the relational side is also really good. And, and we can point to any number of changes that are directly correlated to people that are in an inner circle or whatever you want to call it, right? It exists. We know it does. Right? Mm-hmm. They talk about it. Like, oh, I'm going to text Nikita this right now. Like, <laughs> well, give me that phone number. Like, give me the number. Give me the number. <laughs> right? But they... Right now. But, right. Just give me the number. I need it. I got some things to say. But... I guess the the other side of it is that having that relational thing is what we see and like, come on, 
Like as a content creator, if you say something to a developer and you recorded it, which all content creators do, and then that thing comes true, you're going to talk about it and you're going to bring it up <laughs> somewhere. You're going to be like, yeah, I told Nikita that back in January and I got mm-hmm. it on a VOD, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's going to come up. But what you're not going to do is just like we talked about with the person who's played, you know, 40,000 hours of FPS and they've encountered 2,000 different ways to fight somebody in a hallway. So all of the times they died, it's the same thing here. How many suggestions has Pestily, Veritas, Clean, Deadly Slab, how many suggestions have they made and been super passionate about that don't happen, okay? And they're not talking about those (laughs) because they don't get to say, that's because of me. You got the grenade case because of me. You know, the, you guys talked about the having the trade window, right? The, the transferable, like, in between oh, your yeah. scav raids. And didn't they just say that they're working on that? Like, you did it, it Jesse. Sounds- <laughs> You're in the inner circle and you didn't even know it. <laughs> we need a number. Give us a number. Give me the number. I wish I had the number. <laughs> so I, I, I guess I, I, all I'm saying is that I disagree to an extent because it's really easy to point fingers at people when they are saying it was me and they're pointing to the things yeah. they got done. And, and I get that. But I also do agree with the point, Ronald, that you made that I don't know and I don't think anybody knows is what player groups are made up of that relational aspect. Right. And the, and the only thing that I can point to is like, I have not talked to a developer for BSG about Tarkov, but with PUBG, I talk to developers a lot. We do because on the other podcasts, we've had them on, we've interviewed them on the show. So is, have I said something that has influenced development? Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> you know, so there's also yeah. that aspect to it as well. Well, I think, I think it needs to be almost like a cycle though. And I think that's like the point. It's like, I think they need to like find their foundation again. It's so much has happened. Like, you know what I mean? Like they need to have those closed door conversations of like, okay, like we're staring down the barrel of a game that just pulls in a hundred thousand viewers every day on Twitch and pulls in, you know, 98 to 170,000 average concurrent players. Like that's not the game we thought we were making. It's the game we're making now. So I think that there needs to be like, it's a back and forth. It's like a, you can't give everything away. You have to take that time to like come back and be like, well, what am I doing here? You know what I mean? Like we see that with content creator burnout where they just go and then they just like, what am I doing? Like, why am I playing this game or why am I doing this thing? And then they burn out or get depressed or something like that. So like, I think that's all I'm really suggesting that there needs to be like a moment or a season of like returning to like BSG. Like what, what is this game we want to make? And then I think like, and then the flip side of that, I like, I think like suggestion and feedback, like we were saying is a hundred percent. It's so good, but I don't know, a, a way to, a way to, receive feedback from the entire community and a way to maybe not make the feedback received so public. Because once again, it's just like, it's so hard when it's like, Nikita, do this. Okay, done. There's just no, you know what I mean? Where it's like, Deadly Slob brought up a point, I think I think in RuneScape or an old school RuneScape, they did a thing where it was like a bulletin board or something and the developers would ask questions about like, what what do you guys think about if we changed this? And Deadly Stop was pointing, he was like, what if there was like a place in the hideout where we could just like once a week, they put out a thing and there was like, we like, what do you think about this? And then the whole community gets to like 
cast a vote and they can say if you were going to do it anyway, but they at least now know like a representation of everybody. You know what I mean? And like, I, I remember him saying that on a stream once and I was like, that's a great idea. Like they don't have to ask us everything and they don't have to take what we say, but at least they won't get like surprised. Like that was the big thing Veritas was saying is that like Nikita woke up after that thick weapons case change. So surprised that the community would react that way. Now, if you had asked any one of us here how the community would have reacted, we would have all told you exactly what happened. Like, we know. Don't touch my cases, Nikita. Yeah. So it's like they would have had that. He would have had that information beforehand. If he was like, what do you think if we took those cases away mid wipe? Now it's just no. You know what I mean? And then he would have been able to either say, he would have either done it and been like, the reason he did that without telling us is because he didn't want the RMTers to buy up all the cases that he said that on the podcast. He didn't want them to buy them all beforehand and know it was coming. But there's just a lot of things like that where like we can help equip them with information they might want to know, which is like how we all feel about something beforehand if they give us that opportunity. Um, so so yeah, I definitely, I don't want, I didn't want you to think that I meant like I don't like that they receive feedback or even from a small group of people. I really do. It's just... Uh, I almost think that they, they need like a season to return to like, what does BSG want to do? For me, and if you, even if you didn't like what I said, that's okay <laughs> too. But my, I guess what it boils down to for me, and this is the hardest part, is communication. And mm-hmm. right, we've got language barriers already. Um, mm-hmm. There's translation issues, but it's things like that are challenging are some things just get changed without any sort of direction or end goal. And then we find out about it like, oh, we did that because of this. And then some things are like, oh, you know, LPS, you know, ammo is too powerful. Okay, well, we're just going to up the price now. And it's like, well, yeah, what? What? (laughs) You know, like the the communication is interesting. So I think regardless, like you guys both made really good points about how this stuff has happened and why and the business implication and the the relational yeah. aspect and all of that. And I think the hardest part, and they're trying to do this and I respect them for doing it because they are one of the most open companies I've ever seen, for sure. but they're still not perfect. To your point, like if you're going to really tackle RMT, like why not just say like we have to kill this and we need to kill it in two weeks. Here's what we're doing to going to do that. And that's going to start happening two days from now. Yeah, the RMTers are going to go nuts for two days, but then they don't have the ability to. And then furthermore, then you get to see what they do after that. And you can track that and maybe that gives you the ability to isolate them. So it's like, it seems like, to Eric, your point is like, it, it they don't really have a strategy. They sort yeah. of shoot from the hip a little bit. And it, it just seems like what both of you guys are talking about, if combined, would be what I'd like to see is like, can't you communicate a little bit better on it? RMTers are there. It's going to happen. Like, if you give them a day to plan and figure stuff out and buy up everything, fine. But three days mm-hmm. from now, if that's gone, the normal player base is going to be fine and the RMTers won't be. So I, I don't care if they had a day of going nuts. And then to the other point, like the relational side, like the communication on that is just kind of, it feels weird sometimes that some people can say something and then it gets changed on the spot. Yeah. And then there's other things that take forever to change or are still going on. So like there's just this weird balance that I don't envy yeah. them for. No, for sure. But inconsistency is what is confusing. 100%. And then, and then confusion, if your player race is confused. So, So, I mean, this, this is a rabbit hole that we, we kind of enjoy going down because it, it, hearing other people's perspective on how it affects your gameplay, right? You talked how it's affecting you. (laughs) And then you say how it's affecting your community and, 
and kind of your perspective on it. And that's fun. I, we like to do this. And yeah. it's from a place of like, man, I just, to your point, like I want the game to be completed. I want it to have progress and for them to feel like it's progressing and to just understand it. Like I'm not going to agree with every change. Like I yeah. am a, I'm a hoarder. I'm the worst hoarder on the planet. I have more guns <laughs> in my stash than I can use for the rest of the wipe, but I will continue to put guns there and I will continue to farm Bitcoin yeah. so I can buy more thick weapons cases and I'm going to stuff them full of stuff. You can better believe it. But then when I hear that I can get banned for giving away guns to my community, yeah. it, it doesn't feel good. I don't like that right mm. now, but I'm not sitting here like on a huge soapbox saying like this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No, I get nope. it because you communicated why, but that yeah. hasn't happened on every issue. And that's where I just think the inconsistencies hurt. So like, yeah. I don't know if anybody else wants to add anything more in there, but like that's that's where I'm at with it is like, I don't agree with every little change and I don't need yeah. to. And I'm also not going to be super negative on it. Does it hurt the way that I play the game? Kind of. Do I want to give stuff away? Yeah, I do. But if I can't yeah. for a while because they're fixing RMT, that's fine. I understand that. I know I can't give stuff away right now because I don't want to get flagged. But as soon as they fix it and they're like, hey, you can do that again. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. It's hard to remember. Like, you know what I mean? It's such it, it's such a meme and almost like a salty meme at this point that it's like, well, we're still in beta. You know what I mean? People people just like you can't use that as an excuse. You can't use that as, as an excuse. And it's like once again, like at the end of the day, like as I don't care if you hate or love BSG, like you're not really going to get anywhere without empathy for how different their life is now than it was six months ago. You know what I mean? Or seven months ago, you know what I mean? To go from 1,100 people playing your game to 250,000 people playing your game. You don't have to be a game developer to understand that that changes everything. You know what I mean? And like, I don't like people come in and they're like, yeah, well, they've got all this money now. It's like, I, I don't just get out of here. Like you just, you're, you're not looking at the whole picture. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, it's just such a different, it's such a different situation. So like, it's hard to remember that we're still in beta. It's hard to remember that like they really don't know what they're doing on a lot of these things. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, you can't like what I struggle with is like, yeah, you can't really like over empathize with them and just be like, yeah, just figure it out. Like there, there's not also that line of like when you when it feels like we're playing whack-a-mole, when it feels like you're just shooting from the hip, when like I just cringed when I saw that tweet. I was like, this is a game developer telling me that if I drop a gun to one of my community members, I can get banned. Like that is just like, so it's, it's, we're in the middle. And I think at the end of the day, like what I love about this show and what you guys are doing is that like, at the end of the day, the best thing we can really do is just like exactly like you're saying, like stay positive. It's like they took away my thick weapons case. That sucks. It doesn't delete the 2000 hours of amazing memories I have of this game. I will continue to play this game. I will continue to love this game. If I do not love it, I will play a different game. I do not feel compelled to write a 9000 word Reddit post about why I should be making this game. You know what I mean? Right. We just need more positivity. We need less cesspools of a thousand people. You know what I mean? Because that's the reality of it is if you look on Reddit, it's all the game is, is RMT, cheating, whatever. But we all forget that like there's a thousand posts on Reddit from a thousand people and all of them are just posting the one bad raid they had out of the hundred. So it's like when you do the math, there's 10,000 raids happened and a hundred of them suck. Right. But we're just lining up the hundred that suck. You know what I mean? And it's right. like, we're, we need just, we need more like of the positivity. You know what I mean? Like I don't run into cheaters. Like, you know what I mean? It's just. And that's kind of where this 
whole thing wraps up and that I ask people to consider when we really get into it. And I'll be real honest, Ronald's the one that opened my eyes to this. And it's the truth there is that in general, how much does RMT really affect my personal gameplay? Yeah. I I really don't know. My gut is very, very little. You know, people with RMT buy mm-hmm. the stuff I put on the flea market. Okay. Yeah. People with RMT, they may have a little bit better gear in the games that they come into. Well, if I, if I run factory for four hours and I had, you know, 80 PMCs on the other side of me and factory, how many of those people are playing RMT or doing RMT? I don't know. Yeah. One, maybe? I don't know. But yeah. at the end of the day, like, I don't think that's the guy that killed me. Maybe it is. So yeah. that's the hard part. And I'd ask people to think about that is like, does it really affect your gameplay? And then that's what I think BSG needs to consider is, does this really affect the average user's gameplay? You have 240,000 people playing your game. Should you be focused on something that doesn't actually affect a lot of people's gameplay? I don't know. That's a hard question to answer when we don't have the numbers. So I think that's really the feedback that I want to give. And again, these are all really good points. And this rabbit hole's deep. It just is. Yeah. Um, it just so is. like I'm, we're crawling out right now. Like we're, we see the air, we're going to crawl out. And I want to ask you one last question and then we're going to give you a chance to kind of promote your stuff, tell people where to find you and all that kind of stuff. But you said something early on that just, just makes me laugh and it resonates with me for a number of reasons. But somebody told you to hatchet run factory when you started the game. So you talked about your best tip for getting better at the game. But the last thing yeah. I want to ask you is someone's brand new. They haven't loaded in yet. What do you tell that person to go do? A new person to the game. Yeah, introspection is great. Being able to record your game footage. Wonderful tip. I agree with it 100%. What does the brand new yeah. person do in your eyes? What What do you tell them to go do besides die a thousand times? <laughs> die a thousand times, then come back to me and ask me questions. No, but the sentiment there actually applies like that. I've kind of adjusted because we get those questions a lot and I've kind of adjusted what I say now to like, if you've never played this game for Tarkov, and especially like you were saying, there really is a, a big community of people who don't aren't very experienced in PC gaming that come to Tarkov. Play offline to figure out the questions you want to ask. Then ask them, get them answered, and play online. Does that make sense? Like the first 10 times, if you've never played Tarkov before, the first 10 times you die, it's almost unfair because like you just didn't know if you if you don't bring more ammo. I just played COD and I just keep reloading infinitely. You know what I mean? Like, and if you didn't know that, then you're going to click and then die and then you just lose that. You know what I mean? So like if you don't know anything, play offline with scavs like 10 times and then like ask the questions because there's a YouTube video, there's a streamer that's live that'll be willing to answer or then there's a there's there's discords. There's an infinite amount of places to get those questions answered by really knowledgeable people. But then you can't rely on offline like you got to die, like you got to go lose your loot. But it helps soften the blow if you if you can ask those questions before you've started losing your loot. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jessica Sam's all about death. <laughs> dude, it's great. It's, it's, I didn't realize, I don't think I realized how much I was, but like, it, dude, it, it teaches everything in Tarkov. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's actually, I didn't know what to expect, but I love that. I love that. We don't talk about offline mode enough. It's a phenomenal dude. tool. Just give me the mm-hmm. replay system attached to it. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or with friends. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a great tool. That's a great tip. Yeah. Um, so what I want to do, man, is first of all, thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking time out of your night. You know, I know you've yeah. got the wife, you got the kiddo. Appreciate you coming on. But what I what I want you to do right now is 
tell people, and this is not like a hey, get it out in as fast as you possibly can, but tell people where they can find <laughs> you. Tell people why they should find you. Give them the links. Spell it out if you need to promote your stuff, man. Like what what are you doing? Why? Where is it? Um, any links or projects you've got coming out for people to look forward to? Let them know this is your chance. Like floor is yours. And just just thank you. This has been awesome, man. Dude, thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, everywhere is at Jesse Kazam. Um, but I stream on Twitch and I try to, you know, like I said earlier, I am not as good as I would want to be putting, you know, 2000 hours in the game. But I almost kind of love that because it's this gradual journey of like learning and growing together and constantly breaking down gameplay people that, you know, can't do that. You know what I mean? So, um, so I stream, you know, five, six days a week on Twitch and we do that. Um, the, we, you know, the YouTube channel that all started out of me just wanting to create more guides. You know what I mean? There's just an insane amount of information in Tarkov and, an insane amount of ways to explain it and to break it down. So, you know, we started with there and and now we're, oh, you know, like we were saying earlier, I do a lot of stuff that's like strategies and just like things to work on or things to consider um, when you're playing Tarkov. And then, uh, yeah, we've got, you know, a Discord similar to yours, just ready people wanting to play. You can find me on Twitter. And then, you know, you mentioned earlier, but, you know, I, I'm with Veritas and we have the POG it is weird saying podcast because it so just sounds weird, like podcasts. <laughs> and when we, it's like when you're, we thought the name, we're like, that's dope. But then you're like, it, people just think I'm saying podcast, but the pug, you got to put like a space pug cast. Yeah. Um, where, yeah, we do a weekly show as well. And we, we talk Tarkov and sometimes other games and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, just in general, the thing to like remember through all this is like, dude, the escape from Tarkov community is like, amazing amazing and like the number one thing that we've got to like do is like not let the bad apples the the bad players you know what i mean ruin ruin that because it really is a phenomenal community and i am i'm very humbled that you guys asked me to be on and i really really enjoyed the discussion i love talking talking tarkov so thank you guys so much well i'm just gonna echo too thank you for coming out i i personally was very much looking forward to this. And I very much enjoy your YouTube content. You know, as as we talked about a little bit earlier about the content creation piece of it, I just, I really respect what you do. And I really uh, enjoy the style of YouTube that you put out there. So thank you for uh, coming on. Thank you for being with us tonight. And I know that everybody in our community is going to really enjoy this. And I just think it's great, man. Thanks. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Well, I think that's pretty much it, Trigger, unless you have some other pearls of wisdom you'd like to drop on us before the episode's <laughs> over. No, man, go play Factory and just don't do it with a hatchet. <laughs> just die. Just keep dying. Just die and do with a hatchet. Whatever. I mean, if, if Jesse's right, like all you have to do is go run Factory a thousand times with a hatchet and die and you're good to play Dark. <laughs> Bro, I've had people tell me that. It's like, no, you have to try, but just try and die. Like you can't just like just run into gunfire. Like That's going to be the title of this uh, podcast. <laughs> and thousands and thousands of deaths later. You too could be an yes. expert. You emerge. Jesse as Kazam Warren. recommends the secret <laughs> that BSG doesn't want you to know. <laughs> That's Die a thousand times. Funny. Yep. Uh, well, this has been fun. This has been fun, guys. Very Dude, much for so. Sure. Well, for sure, for sure. I don't know what you guys I'm seeing that green bar start flashing across the top of the screen, which means that we are seconds away from disappearing. But before we do, I want to say thank you to everybody for watching. Thank you to everybody for listening. Remember, you can find the show wherever you listen to podcasts. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all of the other crazy places that podcasts are. Once you start publishing a podcast, there's lots of them. 
And as always, the talk show version of the show will be on youtube.com slash now for you to go watch there. So everybody, uh, thank you for sticking with us to this point, And I hope you all have a great week and your raids go well. See ya. Thanks, everybody.